everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. This week we're finishing our mini-series looking at Walt Disney's journey into live action, and this time we're getting into Walt's very first fully live action film. He had dipped his toes into live action in the past with scenes in some of the package films, or his pseudo-documentary The Reluctant Dragon, and his hybrid films which we've discussed for the past two weeks. This week we're talking about Treasure Island. Walt Disney has been no stranger to adapting famous children's stories, that's basically been his bread and butter, whether it's films like Snow White or his shorts like The Three Little Pigs. But this film was uncharted territory for Walt, finally taking his first leap into live action. Joining me for this discussion are two of my Disney and Disney history loving friends, Eli Sanza and Mark Brown. Eli writes a lot about Disney history, and Mark has an entire blog dedicated to Disney's live action films, so I figured they'd be perfect guests for this episode. Okay, Treasure Island. This is the first live-action Disney film, and I didn't realize this. It was actually the first version of Treasure Island ever to be filmed in color. Yeah, I found that out last that night right. as well. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize it, but I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it either. Another interesting thing that I found out was that it was released in 1950, and that was before movies started getting ratings. So when they went to re-release it in 1975, they had to submit it to be rated, and it got a PG rating. So at the time, apparently Disney had a G-only policy, so they had to cut out nine minutes of the film to bring the rating down to G. Wow. And then later, in the 90s, they had by that time they had relaxed the rated G-only policy, so... After 91, every re-release has been the restored, uncut version. Yeah, and I think, I think the version on Disney Plus is the uncut one. Yes. I didn't know that, but, but do you know which, scenes it were, um, which scene it was that got cut because they thought it, was, it wasn't G-rated enough? I assume all the, all the, all the deaths. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of gunfire and a lot more blood than I expected. Yeah, like they, there's no flow in blood, I, I, but there's I, a lot yeah. of blood. <laughs> Yeah, I do remember somebody getting stabbed in that. And one guy gets shot in the head, like, and you see blood on his yeah, head. I, yeah, somebody got shot in the head. I remember that part. And yeah, I, I was like, oh, that was a little hard for Disney. I guess it's, it's hard to make a pirate film without some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even, even, even in Peter Pan, pirates got killed. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair point. Another interesting thing that I noticed about this one was that it stars Bobby Driscoll as Jim Hawkins, but he was also the star of the previous two live-action animation hybrids that Disney did, and he was actually also in one of the package films as well. Yes, Song of, Song of the South, So Dear to My Heart, and was it Melody Time? Um, I yes. think yes. so. It's the it one with Pedro yeah, Bill. It was Melody. Okay. It was Melody. Time. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I get Melody Time and make my music confused. I don't blame you. Yeah, that's a, a fair one to get mixed up. <laughs> and something else that I did not know was that this actually had several sequels, but only one of them was from Disney. The first was... In 1954, the director of this film wanted to make a sequel, and he did it without Disney, because apparently since Treasure Island is in the public domain, 
that was fine. So he brought back Robert Newton, who played Long John Silver, and made a movie based around Long John Silver that took place after this film. That's interesting. I don't think I knew that. that yeah. It's it's very it's very odd to hear about like a sequel to a Disney movie that's not a Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> with with the same guy. It's like if Johnny Depp did like a Jack Sparrow movie on his own. Mm-hmm. Like Warner Brothers. <laughs> that yeah. would be very weird. I, yeah. You know the closest thing I can do, I can think of that um that reminds me of that in modern times was when uh I think the Chronicles of Narnia had a sequel that wasn't from Disney. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's literally that? the same thing, yeah. Yeah. And then Disney bought them, so now it's Disney again. <laughs> Yeah, Disney bought <laughs> Disney bought it because they own all of Fox's properties now. So yeah, it's uh-huh. back to them now. So it's not weird anymore. But at the time, it was weird. Yeah, it was. Same thing, kind of. And like I, I don't remember. I, don't, I have any of you ever seen that uh, Long John Silver movie? No, but I found it on YouTube. I think it's in the public domain. So there's uh, like many copies online. Eventually, I probably will oh, no, yeah. watch it and do a podcast episode on it. Nice. And the next sequel actually is a a series that spun off of the Long John Silver movie. (laughs) I think it just follows after the Long John Silver movie. And it's just random adventures with Long John Silver, I guess. I haven't watched it either. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the same director too, who who are at least like he, he He did, he he did some episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he did all of it, but he did some of the episodes. Uh, so I guess the director was more passionate about that movie than Disney was. <laughs> Apparently. Byron Heskin is his name, I think. Yeah, Byron. That's right, Byron Heskin. Yeah, Byron Heskin. Yeah. And then the last sequel to this movie was the one that was actually made by Disney. And... In true Disney fashion, it was made decades later. <laughs> in 1986, they made a miniseries called Return to Treasure Island, and it starred Brian Blessed as Long John Silver and Christopher Gard as Jim Hawkins. Yeah, I'd never knew, heard about that or even knew that that existed before. No, I think it has been released on VHS. I don't know about DVD. It's not on Disney Plus because I looked. <laughs> I doubt that would be the first one they'll put on. <laughs> it was it was kind of funny, though, because it, this didn't start out as a sequel to this movie. It started out as a sequel to a 1966 version starring somebody named Ivor Dean. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to make a sequel to his movie so he could play Long John Silver again. But he ended up dying before the the, the movie could be made. So the script was reworked into the miniseries and then produced by Disney. That's so weird. Yeah. Wow. I see now. I, I I know about a lot of obscure Disney things, but this I don't remember ever hearing about. You yeah. said that it was a miniseries that you said it was a miniseries that came out in the eighties, and and where was it? Was this on Disney Channel? I think it was the Disney Channel series. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yes. Something that something Disney that all three of us never heard of before. That's really. 
you know, the Disney Channel in the 80s and 90s, I have a little bit of a blind spot for me in, like, uh, in terms of the knowledge of their, of their shows and movies. Oh, just Disney Channel as a whole is a blind spot for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched that channel when I was a teenager, so I know a little bit about the late 90s, 2000s stuff, but like definitely in the 80s, I don't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that someday it'll be on Disney+. Plus. I, I, yeah, I want a lot of things. <laughs> a lot yeah. of things on Disney Plus. They don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I want their entire live action library to be on Disney Plus, but we'll see. <laughs> Me too. Hopefully one day. It seems like they're like holding things back. It seems like they are. They might be holding things back on purpose just to, mm-hmm. you know, release them like gradually. Yeah, that's kind of what I have been assuming is happening. Because a lot of times they'll do like a big drop of a lot of things, including some old stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe one day this will be re- included in some big drop. Yeah. Every month I look up um, what's coming to Disney Plus each month. And every so often, almost every month, there'd be at least like one or two Disney proper, old Disney properties that they yeah. are actually showing. Yeah. Yeah. Other times it's like Ice Age 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got Alvin and the Chipmunks there, but they don't have like, you know, the 1990s version of Freaky Friday. Exactly. Yeah. They've got a whole bunch of stuff that is not Disney. I mean, it sort of is Disney now, but uh, stuff it that. It wasn't produced by Disney. Yeah. Stuff like, like you said, like the 1990s Freaky Friday. I feel like a lot of people, a lot more people would be interested in watching that than Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I would watch that one first. Yeah. I guess they're catering for the, the, the young kids who are yeah. Disney fans. They're not going to care about the 90s Freaky Friday. That's probably <laughs> true. I remember watching that at my grandparents when I was a kid. When it Probably when it came out. And I've, I haven't seen it since. I remember be, really liking it. But I really liked the original, and I really liked the book. Like, I really liked that story, and I thought it was so cool that there was multiple versions of it. Yeah, I heard some people say the 90s one was better than the other version, even though it's more obscure. Well, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I can't say that for certain. I just remember I liked it. I don't know if it's better or not. Right. Well, I suppose we should actually get on to talking about the movie. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think one one like a very interesting thing to to mention is this movie and Robert Newton's portrayal of Long John Silver pretty much solidified in in American culture and film culture the you know the stereotypical pirate talk and pirate mm-hmm. mannerisms pretty much that it's literally all of Robert Newton. <laughs> I had heard that so. How were pirates portrayed before this? Were they like if you watch a lot of older pirate movies, um, a lot of them would have British accents, like but not not from the West Country, which is what um, Robert Newton is doing a, an impression of. But like they have like more posh British accents and stuff like that. Huh. I guess I haven't watched very many pirate movies that are older than this, so. Yeah, I don't think I have either. But yeah, this this was pretty much where Robert Newton is the quote-unquote patron saint of uh, Talk Like a Pirate Day. 
Okay. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like how like uh, the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wizard of Oz is kind of like the archetype of witches. Yeah. It was the same thing, kind of. Like, he was like, well, Long John Silver had like an Irish accent, kind of, and that's a lot of how stereotypical pirates talk now. Yeah, he he took the uh, the West Country accent and of the farmers and that that left class in England and just kind of exaggerated it a bit and. That became the R Meaty that we know now. <laughs> Interesting. Like, yeah, one, right. One of my favorite lines in the movie is when uh, after Mr. Arrow, after they kill Mr. Arrow by making him drunk and having him <laughs> drown in the ocean, and then they have the um, the prayer service, and then they they do a prayer, and he goes, he says, "Amen," but with his accent becomes our men so ever since then whenever i need to see ever, ever since then i always say our men when when i'm watching a movie and that's for sure <laughs> uh, that was funny and i don't even know that he did that to be funny i think it was just part of his accent because i yeah. i didn't i didn't read it as a joke because he was so serious when he said it but now no, that you say him. that, that <laughs> is really funny. Yeah, I don't think he meant it to be a joke, yeah. but I just found hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and and to me, this is one of the um like there are a few performances in live action Disney films that I think are just amazing and like seem flawless and I'd, I'd give multiple awards to and this is one of them. I think Robert Newton as Long John Silver is I don't even think he's acting like he he is the long time silver for all I'm, mm. my purposes. Yeah, and he, he was like a popular actor in like Britain. I think yeah. he was like uh, I heard uh, much more than America. Like he was like uh, I don't know, like the George Clooney of the time or something like that. Yeah, he, he was pretty big in his time, and actually, I think he was going through a a downturn. But I think Treasure Island's popularity pushed him back up again. Oh, that's good. So, like outside of Outside of Treasure Island, and then, like Jonathan said, he played Long John Silver again in like two other um, productions. I think his most famous role is probably his last role. Um, he was in Around the World in 80 Days in the American version of that. I think mm. those are probably his two b- biggest roles. That probably explains why they wanted the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could see why he agreed to be in the sequel. <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting that they open kind not exact not like in the middle but they don't do like the regular introduction of billy bones like he's already in the inn yeah they they open when it opened i thought it was billy bones coming up to the end but it was actually black dog so they skipped a bunch of it but i think it works and i'm the i mean the movie's only a little over an hour and a half long so if you're gonna cut stuff I think they that was a good thing to cut, and it works to open it with Black Dog coming and looking for him, and him already there, freaking out. I agree. I yeah. think I I didn't think about that until you mentioned it, but it actually does work really well. Well, yeah, Walt Disney always was taking artistic uh, liberties with source material because he cared more about making an entertaining movie than making a mm. faithful adaptation of the book. So, like, so he didn't care, like, if he cut stuff out. He just, because all he cared about was, like, entertaining people. And he was good at that, so that you didn't mind. Mm-hmm. 
That's kind of uh, one thing that I kind of wish Disney would do again. I kind of want them to make an animated movie or, or even a good live action movie, like based on a work of literature. I feel they haven't done like yeah. one in a long time. And I, I kind of want them to go back to there. It's like maybe an animated animal farm or, <laughs> or I don't know, another live action Charles Dickens yeah. movie or something like that. I kind of, I kind of want them to go. I, I know they're doing a lot of young adult books and stuff, but it'd be nice for them to do like a good old fashioned literature piece of work, you know? Yeah. I would love that. Yeah, me too. An animated little women. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I might've said that in my little women series on my every version ever podcast, but little women would make a good animated film. And I'm surprised that they haven't really done that. There's been a, actually a couple of, a few anime versions, but uh-huh. no American or British English adaptations in animation. Well, that that makes sense because in Japan they have animated where you go like every genre. And yeah, it's like, and it's like tar- targeted at kids and adults and like teenage girls and, and like teenage mm-hmm. boys, and it's like it's, it's prominent in that country. So that does not surprise me that they have a little women adaptation there. So we're we're both of you. Um... Yeah, we're both of you uh, fans of the original, the the, the book, the Treasure Island, the novel. I was when I was a kid. I had a, I I don't think it was like the full version. I think it was abridged. I had a lot of abridged classics, so I I read this as a kid and I really liked it. I know there's a version out there that I watched as a kid. I don't know which one it is. Eventually, eventually I'm going to do Treasure Island for every version ever, and this episode will probably double as an episode of that, but. Eventually, I want to find whatever version I watched as a kid, because I know I watched one as a kid, and I don't remember which one it was. I thought it was this one, but I don't think it is, because I didn't remember a lot of this when I was watching it for the podcast. Yeah, I I, I haven't read the book in such a long time. I can't yeah. remember like uh, much about it, like to compare it with the movie. But like this, but it's kind of like one of those stories that you just know and yeah. you don't really remember <laughs> mm-hmm. why why you know it. You just you just know you know it because mm-hmm. there are so many different versions of it. It's just stuck in your mind. Yeah, I think it's also the the sign of a good piece of literature too. Yeah, I am. Um, I read. I read years when I was young, and I also read an abridged version. Jonathan, I read the. Um, they had. I don't know if you guys remember. They had the Great Illustrated Classic series. Yes, were, I had. I had most of those. That's yeah. how I read most of my yeah, the, classics. Yeah, exactly. There, for those who are listening and don't know, they're a set of hardcover, um, um, easy to read adaptations of a lot of classic books for kids. Every other page is a picture, <laughs> and every page of mm-hmm. text has like size 200 font but well, um, mine mine actually were were those but the small cheap versions that were soft cover like my <laughs> mom got a whole big giant box of them probably like from sam's club or something so it was like a really cheap way to get them so i didn't have the hard covers but it was the same just books. called illustrated classics i'm not mistaken yeah it was it was the same <laughs> book same like an illustration on every page because i yeah. remember finding the bigger hardcover versions in a bookstore and flipping through and i was like wait a minute this is exactly like my book at home except mine is small and paperback yeah i think i might have had like a twenty thousand leaks under the sea like uh the yeah. easy to read version of that mm-hmm. i think i was yeah i had that one yeah i had one of those those too. were great man i love those <laughs> 
And then, and then I read another version of Treasure Island later on in life, but I don't. I think it was also a bridge because I think it was only like seventy-five pages. I don't think it was even a hundred. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I don't know if that's the whole book or not. But. What did you guys think of Billy Bones in this one? Billy Bones, yeah, he was the he was that guy who was like asking like telling Jim Hawkins to give him a drink, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the yeah. one at the beginning who had the trunk. He he was the one who originally had the map. Yes, I remember now. Yes, yeah. He was. I liked him. I liked this version of him. He was like he was in it very short, but he made an impression. I remember thinking it was a good uh, version of the character. I think in, in the Muppet Treasure Island, if I'm not mistaken, he's played <laughs> by Billy Connolly. And there's yes. a there's a favorite scene I have when he comes in and he's like. Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Jim, Jim Jim Jim, and then Rizzo, the rat's like, I'm not Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Jim, Jim Jim Jim, please Jimmy Jim, Jim 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 Jim, and then when he dies, he died. I thought this was supposed to be a kids movie. My brothers and I quoted that all the time. That was the that was the version of Billy Bones I love. Yes. I think I I liked this version, but I think I was expecting something more like Muppet Muppet Treasure Island. So it was kind of weird to have him be this really yeah. old kind of and crazy the, guy. This movie's pretty it's pretty serious. Like it's family, but like, yeah, they they don't they don't wink at the audience really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, it seems like they really tried to make sure that it was like uh, serious, like. Um, mm-hmm. cut throat you like people could die at any minute type of adventure film which they did a good job of yeah it definitely was and it needed to be because the the original book was too not not every version can be Muppet Treasure Island yeah <laughs> yeah even Walt Disney understood that and Long John Silver to me is the um that's the epitome of a pirate like when, when I think of pirate I think of him like I love Jack Sparrow but Long John Silver is my go-to pirate yeah he was great yeah he really really is a quintessential pirate oh and also Robert Newton played another pirate in another movie played Blackbeard in a Blackbeard movie so I know he just got he just had a pirate's pirate's way about him I guess (laughs) he played the part well that's good casting though that's how you know you made an impression that's true another character that I felt like I'm I was spoiled by the Muppet version <laughs> is Blind Pew. The guy who gives Billy yeah, Bones yeah, the black yeah, spot. Yeah. We, who, plays, we, who plays him in the Muppet version again? He's a Muppet. <laughs> oh, I can't remember. <laughs> he he had a line, another line. My brothers and I must have quoted like every line from this movie, but Blind Pew had a line that we quoted all the time when he's searching for the map in the inn. And he says, those little girls must have it. Because <laughs> he, he had earlier felt Jim's hair and thought he was a girl. <laughs> we would right. quote that all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. yeah. You know, he was like, don't, don't insult my intelligence <laughs> by telling me that you're not a girl. <laughs> gotta watch that again. Uh, yeah, it's such a good version. <laughs> If we ever do yeah, another, that, <laughs> we'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, the Treasure Island makes me laugh just because everything that happens in Treasure Island reminds me about the Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that movie just turns into a comedy because of that. Because of that Muppet film. 
<laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Once I do a, an every version ever series on Treasure Island, I'll have to do Muppet Treasure Island. Definitely. It's it's one of the quintessential versions. Yeah. Oh, you have to do a deep dive in the Muppet Treasure Island. I would love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of Doctor Livesey and Squire Trelawney? They were good. Like I, they had a few like moments that I thought were like good um, character moments, like. Trelawney, Squire Trelawney was the guy who was like... He put together the trip. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, he was put together the trip and he was going to make sure that it was like a, the search for the treasure map was on the down low and he wasn't going to tell anyone about it. Yeah. <laughs> and Dr. Doctor Livesey was worried that he was, because he had a big mouth, that he was going to like let the word slip that they were looking for the treasure map secretly. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that yeah, it, I think I don't think it, the word got out, but it wasn't his, his fault. I think it was like no way. I remember what it was. Yeah, he hired Long John Silver, and then he thought that Long John Silver was an upstanding person. Yeah. And then it turned out he was yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, they, yeah, they had some good moments like that made them kind of uh, sympathetic <laughs> and interesting. So I did like both of them, both of them as characters, even though they were kind of, they were kind of dry. They were both like, you know, English gentlemen. So like, but they were still interesting for what they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like them fine. And, um, they, you know, square drill on there. I always like those type of characters that are just kind of boasty and, and buffery, <laughs> but kind of an idiot, but like those uh-huh. are my prime and favorite type of characters. But, um, Besides that, they didn't really stand out too much to me. I think, um, you know, D- Disney's Treasure Planet uh, is a version I, I love a lot. And I think the Doctor character played by, um, voiced by David Hyde Pierce, like, I remember him a lot more than I remember this Doctor lives lives in this movie. Yeah, same. I, I liked Doctor Livesey here. I had forgotten about him as a character because I've seen Muppet Treasure Island so many times that Dr. Livesey, I thought that maybe they'd cut him out. I had to look him up. He was actually played by Dr. Honeydew, so I had completely uh, forgotten that he was even a character in Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, uh, well. <laughs> so I, I, I was semi-unfamiliar with the character. Even though I recognized the name, I couldn't remember much about his character, but I really liked him in this movie. Yeah, and I remember Dr. Doppler was, when I watched Treasure Planet, I remember when I found out about Dr. Doppler, I was like, who was he in Muppet Treasure Island again? And it was like, <laughs> and I thought that he wasn't, I thought that he wasn't in Muppet Treasure Island. But, but yeah, because Honey, uh, Dr. Honeydew's role was smaller in yeah. that. So, yeah. But, and, like, and like I said, I can't remember how the original book went. So yeah, so yeah, you have to keep track of these characters when you're adapting them. Sometimes they like have smaller roles and they have bigger roles. It depends on the take um, by the director. Mm-hmm. Like this movie also like doesn't feature um, Jim Hawkins' mom. Like I was just, just gonna he, say that he's just like, um, "Where's your mom? Oh, she's out shopping." Yeah, <laughs> and then <laughs> she's mentioned. Yeah. Never seen. She mentioned like, "Oh yeah, she's totally gonna let you go on this, you know, three month voyage to go find treasure. She'll be fine with it." <laughs> and, um, I feel like the mom should the mom should have been in it because it was like I was kind of interested to hear about her opinion on her son going on a journey like to a treasure 
like yeah. <laughs> across the across the ocean. I was like, I feel like that was kind of weird that they skipped that part. If I, if I remember correctly, I think Treasure Planet they actually do go into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's a lot older in Treasure Planet too. True. And this this yeah. um this is one of the few movies that like there are no women um, characters besides like extras in the background. I thought that yeah. too. I was like, I, well, first I was looking for the mother, like, is she even going to be in this? Mm-hmm. And then I realized there's like no female characters at all. Yeah. This and uh, I know there are a few and Lawrence of Arabia is another one that comes to mind. Yeah. There's zero. I, I didn't notice any women there. I, if you, if you say there were some women in the background that I believe you, but like I didn't notice and they certainly didn't mm-hmm. have any speaking parts. That's that was that was something I kind of noticed about how it has made this movie kind of rare. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a little strange. Yeah, you see women in the background when they go to the um, they go into town and you see them coming out of the windows and stuff. But yeah, no, no one has a right. No one, no one has lines or anything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this was this was so this was such a boy targeted movie. Well, the original book was called so um, something. Like Treasure Island Adventure for Boys or something like that? Something like an adventure for boys or a story for boys. It had a a different beginning. It wasn't Treasure Island. Yeah. But the second half of the title was A Story for Boys. So it was uh, definitely written yeah. with boys yeah. in mind. That was kind of his like uh, intention, like a, a boy's story, I guess. Yeah, that explains a lot. The Sea Cook. The Sea Cook, A Story for Boys. Oh, okay. That was the original title. And that's referring oh, to Long John. Okay. Treasure Island was a much better title. <laughs> yes, definitely. Dude, have you watched the Sea Cook as Story for Boys? <laughs> that would be hilarious if somebody made it and called it that. Dude, you gotta, you got to see that movie, man. I'm the winner for best film, the Sea Cook as Adventure for Boys. <laughs> no one would watch that movie. And uh, another thing about the book, Treasure Island, not, on, not only did, you know, this movie, you know, like we said, cement the idea of pirates in our mind and how, how they're portrayed in films, but even the book itself kind of pretty much gave us everything we know, or at least most of what we know about pirates in, in, in fiction in general, like the idea of treasure maps and buried treasures and one-legged, peg-legged men with with parrots on their shoulders and stuff like that, the black spot mm-hmm. and all that, because because most of that isn't you know there's no, there's no recorded incident of pirate ever burying treasure or a legitimate treasure map to a treasure because like really? why, why 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 would you why would you bury the tree if you found treasure? That is true. I never thought about that before. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's 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 very much inspired by this book, and this this book just yeah. kind of took over our ideas of what pirates are like and all that. Huh. That makes a lot of sense because it had it, it, it entered the zeitgeist, all the pirate cliches because of this book. Yeah. yeah. And then another a character that I I love Treasure Planet, except for one character who I think is the most annoying character in Disney history, and that's Ben in that version. <laughs> so I was I was um, I'm very happy that uh, Ben Gunn in this version is a human being. <laughs> Not an annoying Martin Short voice for Well, he was kind of weird, like the like the Treasure Planet version too. Yeah, he was very very out of his mind. I could tolerate him here. I can't tolerate him as Martin Short. I guess I don't know. 
I've heard that a lot. Yeah, you he, could tell they were trying. <laughs> you could tell they were trying to go for a Robin Williams Beanie thing, but it didn't really work. Yeah. Mm. And then Muppet Treasure Island just makes it <laughs> Benjamin Gun with Miss Piggy. Yes. That's like one of the best changes that they made. I love that. <laughs> yes, agreed. No, with Ben in Treasure Planet, I always hear about people hating him, but I don't remember him ever bothering me. I, I don't actually remember a lot about him. He, for me, he's, I guess, one of the ah. more forgettable parts. Yeah, he definitely is. He's he's both forgettable and frustrating when you remember him. So, well, yeah, I kind of have uh, I kind of have uh, mixed feelings. I like mean, he he did in Treasure Planet was he wasn't annoying to me, but he wasn't very memorable, and he wasn't. And I can tell that there was he was supposed to be like the the comic relief, yeah. but he never said anything he never said anything that was that funny which which wasn't really martin short's fault it was more like the writer's yeah, fault but script, still yeah. still yeah. <laughs> you yeah, gotta blame somebody right <laughs> yeah you gotta like <laughs> I, i'm very hard on writers because they are make or break for a lot of films that's true that's true do, do you guys feel that um this the film was pretty even between you know the the time of them planning the voyage and being on the ship and then the time with them on the island do you think that was a fair enough time for each or do you think one should have been more than the other i think it was a good amount of time for each yeah same same i think they spent a decent amount of time on each other i i i my bigger problem was the fact that they were that the film was dialogue heavy so like i wish there was there was more action but it felt very much like i was watching sometimes it felt like when i was watching treasure island i was watching like a stage play or something <laughs> like it was, it was all it was very dialogue heavy the, the amount of time they spent uh on in england and like in the English town in and on the pirate ship and then on the island felt even, but the the amount of dialogue to action felt uneven. It didn't bother me much. Like I actually liked the act, the dialogue and all that. I think that was just, you know, the, the style of how movie making was done back then, especially older live. Yeah. Yeah. I will see. I, I wrote about this movie once I said, I compared it to Raiders of the Lost Ark, which came out in 1981. <laughs> and I think that was why I didn't like it because, it was, because Raiders of the Lost Ark was a, more the kind of film I liked and Treasure Island reminded okay. me of what movies were like before they had the technology that they had in the eighties. And like, and then and, and both of those movies are like adventure films. And I thought, uh, yeah, yeah. If I compare it to Raiders, it's like, it's like more limited in what they're able to do in the fifties, mm. which is unfair. I shouldn't do that, but like that was just that was just where my mind went. Yeah, you're you're, you're entitled to your analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you guys be interest or interested if Disney did a live action remake? Another well, yeah, live action another remake of this movie. I would. I would, I would, because I, because I had, I had a few problems with this version of Treasure Island. I didn't think it was bad, but I thought it could have been better. And if they did a live action, straight live action version, not like a sci-fi with Treasure Planet, just a straight up like live action, I would be interested in that because I think, I think it could be even better if they did it again. Nice. Yeah. I, 
I mean, I have a podcast dedicated to multiple versions of things, so I always like seeing different people's takes on the same story. So if somebody wanted to make a new version of Treasure Island, not just for the sake of making a movie, they like actually really like the story and had a good idea for it, then I'd totally be into seeing another one. Uh, so I, I agree with Eli yeah. that um, you know this movie. I like it, I like it a lot, uh, maybe more than you. But I don't um, I don't think you know like you said it's not you know it could be a lot better, and um, a remake could fix all all that. My only hesitancy to saying yes to a, re- a Disney remake of this, I feel with how Pirates of the Caribbean was, if they do a remake of the Treasure Pl- Island, it's going to be very Pirates of the Caribbean-ish. And I think mm. it's going to be a lot. Uh, to I, me, To me, Treasure Island is not an action movie. It's more of an adventure movie. And I think, or like a, not action story, it's more of an adventure story. And I think if they were to do Treasure Island now, it would be a lot more action than adventure. And I don't know if I would like that. I actually, I actually totally agree with you because I was thinking, as I was saying this, that like, uh, I was thinking about Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. and how that was like, uh, that's like the most recent live action pirate franchise that Disney's made. So they're gonna, I have a feeling, that, and because it was, and because Pirates of the Caribbean is so successful, I feel like they might try to Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbeanize exactly. Treasure <laughs> Island if, if they made a live action movie, which I don't want them to do. I was thinking if they made a live if they made if they made a remake of Treasure Island I would want it to be completely different from Pirates of the Caribbean but I don't mm-hmm. know if I would trust that they would be able to hold back from doing that because you know how mm-hmm. you know how executives are they like they try mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. copy other movies that are successful all the time and I have a feeling that they might do that so that that would be my hesitancy as long as they didn't do that I would be fine with it but I would be hesitant because I fear just like you, that that might be the case. I totally agree with you. I would almost say I would rather another company did a version mm. of Treasure Planet, not Treasure Island, sorry, than instead of Disney. But even then, I think Pirates yeah. has just, you know, just the whole culture of Pirates of the Caribbean would still, it, it still would be under that shadow. And I think even another company would try to uh, recapture that. But I, yeah, I do think that it matters who the director is and writers are. They hire good directors, and it yeah. could be good. If, if a different company were to do it and do it right, I think the BBC would be the company to do it. I don't know if the BBC has ever done a version. They probably have. But if they were, if, some, oh. if anyone was to do it right, I bet the BBC would do it right. I would trust BBC. Yeah, I think I would too. Yeah, I can see them doing more of a. Maybe not a film, but like a miniseries. Yeah, like a that's three, what I was thinking. Three or four episode long miniseries or something. Yeah. That, that could be amazing. That yeah. one has to exist. That seems like something ripe for the BBC to have done. Okay, so tomorrow you, Eli, and me, we're going to go to the B- England and knock on the BBC's door, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's pitch them the idea. <laughs> like, have we got a story for you? <laughs> the sea cook. <laughs> <Just on the board. laughs> yeah, and it has to be called that. <laughs> They made a Sherlock Holmes series with Benedict Cumberbatch, so yeah, it's not like they they haven't done like a ton of different miniseries based on books before. Mm-hmm. They might try to modernize it. Well, they've, they've done Alice in Wonderland many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do for Treasure Island. I just, I just wish movies, just cinema in general, would go back to or uh, a lot more literature adaptations, but yeah, one day maybe. Yeah. 
everything comes around. So I want them to do liter- literary adaptations, but I also want them to have variety. I want them to be able yeah. to like, uh, like adapt all kinds of things. I, and, I just, and I just want literary adaptations to be a part of that. So I just don't want them to neglect anything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't want it to be all literature, but I, I do would like. I would like more liter- literary adaptations than what we have right now. Yeah, yeah. So I totally agree. I guess one thing that I just realized we haven't really talked about, we've talked about all the other characters, we haven't really <laughs> talked about Jim Hawkins. <laughs> uh, you, you were kind of bringing uh, up when you talk about uh, yeah. Bobby Driscoll, but um, uh, Jim, Jim Hawkins, it's interesting, he's the only guy with that American accent in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that too. Oh yeah, I didn't even realize how weird that was until you just brought it up. Like, yeah, I knew Bobby Driscoll was an American, but I didn't put it together wait a minute why does he have an American accent in this movie if it's set in 1767 1765 England at at some points I thought maybe he was trying but if he was he didn't try very hard no one thing that I reckon that um, that stood out to me is he um, I guess he he did pu- hit puberty after sometime after this because his voice and Peter Pan sound so different <laughs> yeah that's true yeah how many years after this was Peter Pan what do you have Peter Pan got 53 is it Eli three yeah it was three mm-hmm. because then Peter Pan came out in 1953 yeah okay and this came out in 50 so yeah but who knows when he recorded exactly yeah we don't know how long it was it was recorded yeah, exactly. exactly. The amount of time it took for him to record, it might have been like, it might have been two years or something. He had a sad life, though, because he, he died young. I think he had uh, gone into drugs and stuff. And yeah, he was in his 30s when he passed away. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. He had two good roles and two good pirate films. <laughs> but like, uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he had a sad ending. And even Disney, I mean, like, like, you know, he was Song of the South and So Dear to My Heart. Yeah, he had a good string of films for a while. Yeah. On Melody Time, like we said, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was like Disney's go-to, like, child actor in the, from the, like, 40s and 50s. We need a young boy. Bring on Bobby. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. And after that, it was, yeah. what's his yeah. name, from Mary Poppins. Oh, well, yeah, him too. But I think Kevin Corcoran kind of took over the, the young boy um, character from a lot of live action Disney movies. Yeah. Oh, they grow up so fast. It seemed like Disney like had a, picked a few favorites yeah. and then kept using them. And it wasn't just boys yeah. too, because yeah, Haley yeah. Mills and yeah. what's her it's, name from Luanna Patton. She was in a bunch of yeah. these too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. She was the little girl in song of the South and the Pecos Bill segment of Melody yeah. Time. She, wasn't she also in So Dear to My Heart? Yeah, she was, yeah, she was in So Dear to My Heart, too. <laughs> yeah, she was the go-to girl. Yeah, exactly. She was a okay. female Bobby Driscoll. Since she had been in so many things with Bobby Driscoll, I I was half expecting to see her pop up in a cameo somewhere in, in Treasure Island. <laughs> Never happened, though. They stuck to the yeah, guns you know, of no, no girls in this movie. <laughs> If there was a if there was a girl in the movie, then she probably would have been in it. Yeah, probably. I feel like I feel if they did remake this movie, they would probably make Jim Hawkins' character a girl instead. And I'd be I'd be okay with that. I could I can go along with that change. Yeah, that would work. I wouldn't mind that. I think in some early silent films, Jim yeah. Hawkins was played by girls, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like with Peter Pan. To Peter Pan. <laughs> oh, just like with Peter Pan. 
I have my. I don't mind gender swapping. I, the thing I care about most is this: is the writing good? Yeah. yeah. There's some gender swap stuff I'm not, I don't think should happen. I, I like. I, I think Long John Silver should be an old guy with a pickle. <laughs> I think that. I don't think that should be anyone else. <laughs> yeah. No, so, sometimes, sometimes I agree. So if, I don't think they should like gender swap anybody, like James yeah. Bond or Batman. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I think uh, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, uh, yeah, like because because they they became the, they're classic. They're too classic to change. Sometimes, sometimes I think of it like that. But yeah, it's part of the character. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, for for characters like that, it's like make a new character that's equally as cool. Otherwise, it feels like you're just I don't know pandering yeah i know i know some women who who say that yeah yeah i agree with you Eli. but with a story like this i think a lot of the side characters could be gender swapped i think the pirates not like not all of them i think you could like do a mix because in real life there were plenty of women pirates so you could you could mix it up for for the side characters for sure in treasure planet who the, the female character voiced by Emma Thompson, who, who does she play? Who does she repl- um, swapped as? Is she the squire character? Isn't she the captain? She's captain, okay. I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't remember for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I forgot. Uh, if you talk about the person Emma Thompson played, then yes, yeah, you. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right, captain. Captain's small. Yeah, like, like that was fine. I had no problems with that. Yeah, I actually liked her as a character. Sorry, Jonathan, I'm not fully on as Miss Piggy as Betcha Bean a Gun. But <laughs> it, I love her. If, if you, if you <laughs> all like her, great. It, I don't know. It was just weird. <laughs> I mean, the Muppets are weird, so. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it kind of worked. Like, I mean, I mean, Piggy had to be someone. If you, if you, that was the problem, because Piggy had That's to be in true. the movie. Yeah, yeah. You know that. You, 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 yeah, you cannot have her. Yeah, exactly. So that was the best role I guess they could have talked about for her. Mm-hmm. But I, um, going back to, we're supposed to be talking about Jim Hawkins. I think Bobby Driscoll's performance. I, 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 it was really good. I like, but I feel like a, like his facial expression sometimes looked like he was just like disgusted <laughs> <laughs> at what he was seeing. Yeah, like, like, like he, he was trying to show show like surprise, I guess, but it just come out as disgust to me. I feel like he was overacting in his face facial expressions at some points, yeah, which probably is probably what, what you were picking up on. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I, I, I actually thought that Bobby Driscoll, not just Bobby Driscoll, all the actors I felt were kind of, kind of hammy. I felt like that they were overacting a little bit, like not more than Driscoll, but like him it was more apparently because he has less experience acting than the others so that yeah, just makes sense but like i but but most of them i thought were like and this is like for a lot of films in that, that period that acting could sometimes be too unrealistic because it wasn't it wasn't like the uh, marlon brando new school of like realism that has yeah. like taken over in the 60s it wasn't it wasn't in that time yet so there was still a lot of acting like since the 30s that has all spanned to the 50s that was sort of more uh stilted and exaggerated yeah definitely so it's just sort of, sort of like a time period thing not exactly like uh, anyone's fault too yeah did you guys have any scenes that particularly stuck out to you as like your favorite scenes? Mm. 
you know what I liked was um, in terms of the themes of the movie, I liked, uh, th- and this is the thing that stood out for me on every version of Treasure Island I always see, it's uh, Jim Hawkins' relationship with Long John Silver. Because mm-hmm. I always thought that Jim Hawkins' relationship with Silver was sort of complex because it was like they were, they were, they were kind of friends, but they're kind of, they don't trust each other. They're kind of not friends, but, mm-hmm. but they're still friends. It was like, it was like, it's kind of a complex relationship. You don't, it was like Long John Silver was kind of like a, a bad guy, but he was also likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were sort of in Jim Hawkins' shoes a little bit with him because you, because he, because he sort of helped Long John Silver escape at the end of that movie, but he mm-hmm. still yeah. escaped from him when he was trying to kidnap him. I always thought the relationship between those two characters was, was one of my favorites. It has a fatherly father son kind of feel to me, but more like mm. like a father I haven't yeah. seen in many years, <laughs> and he's just come back, or maybe like I, a like a distant uh, uncle yeah. kind of scene. Yeah. Yeah, a strange, a strange family. Strange family. Yeah, because yeah. like even Treasure Planet, I think that's the angle they they hype up more, if I remember well. Mm-hmm. I think a yeah. lot of versions probably do that. Yeah, kind of highlight Long John Silver as like a father figure to Jim, and that yeah. might kind of be why Jim Hawkins uh, latches on to because he's like the father figure that he he was missing. I feel like that's the angle they go for. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of movies nowadays don't have like father or mother figure type of characters like like or like like mentor characters to um to younger characters much in films anymore now that you used to see back in the day that's yeah that's kind of true uh, like i noticed yeah. that there aren't a lot so especially like in disney films where they usually kill off one or both <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like the go-to to kill the parents because it just makes good drama. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Characters that are that are friends or or like have some sort of relationship like that, they kind of make them more around the same age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been doing that a lot more recently. Or like you see, yeah. like 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 an older brother, older sister kind of mm-hmm. kind of vibe more so than like a yeah a mentor. True. true. It's kind of like what they're going for now. It's like more like a peer thing because I yeah. think that's what like more like what I think that's what they're trying to do because millennials are who they're trying to appeal to nowadays, and I think that's more a millennial thing to like to like reject like adults and care more about like the opinions of their friends. That might be why they do that. That's a very um, very strong insight. You're probably right. It could be, but I like I like characters who are really old too. Like I no. love a good old lady character. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jonathan. Like I much prefer that. Me too. I like it. I like it. Yoda is like my favorite movie character of all oh, time. Yeah. He's like the oldest character in movie history. <laughs> Definitely. Well, going back to favorite scenes, I had one that really stuck out to me because I I was waiting for the scene when the pirates give silver the black spot because i wanted to see how that was going to go and like one of my favorite parts of muppet (laughs) we keep coming back to muppet treasure island but one of my favorite parts of muppet treasure island is when silver freaks them all out because they ripped a page out of a bible yeah and they didn't they didn't they did that a little bit in this but not to the extreme that they did in muppet treasure island but i really liked the part where they finally are they've like re-accepted silver and they're taking back the black spot and he, instead of 
the the one guy I think is going to crumple it up, but Silver pushes it towards the guy who actually took it out of the Bible, and he says, "Put it back in the good book, mate. Poor Rovin seaman like the likes of you needs every scrap of scripture he can yeah. get." <laughs> that was a good line. I like that. Yeah. I love that scene. There was a line that I loved, uh, yeah. but I, I, I can't. I just, I just watched this movie last night, and I just can't remember what line it was now. But there's a line I really loved when they said it. <laughs> I mean, there was the Armen scene that I talked oh, about before. I like that also, but there's something else. That's why I usually try and write down my favorites because otherwise yeah. I'll forget them as well. I gotta start doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess one scene I always enjoy is. Um, I think one of the most iconic scenes when you think, or when I think of Treasure Island is Jim Hawkins in the barrel when he overhears um, mm, the plan yeah. of Long John Silver. So. Oh, yeah. I think that was it. That's some high drama. You realize that Long John Silver is not, is like not as good as he thought he was. Exactly. Mm. There, were, there were a few scenes in here that I thought the, the drama was really good. Like when Jim comes back to the ship and he's having to sneak around and then later trying to get away from Israel hands. That whole yeah. scene like had me on the edge of my seat, even though I knew like, I know the story. I know basically <laughs> how it's going to go. I thought they, they did that really well. Yeah. yeah they, they do build some drama there and it's because it's, it's mm-hmm. literally just Jim and two guys on the ship. Well, one guy gets, is kind of drunk <laughs> for the other one. Is, is Israel hands is kind of like, he, he's technically the second in command, really, after Long John Silver. Like, no one else could really, if anyone else had to run that crew, it would be Israel Hands. He's one of the, the, the brains enough to do it and the, the calmness to do it. George Mary is way too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was um, just going to say, he wants to. But... <laughs> yeah, he wants it too bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my um, favorite part of the movie was probably the ending of the movie because that's the one that really affected me, like, emotionally the most because it's like, because look what's happening. Okay, so John Silver, Long John Silver is essentially escapes with Jim Hawkins in tow and Jim Hawkins manages to escape his grasp and, and, so, and they're about to capture Long John Silver and instead Jim Hawkins helps Long John Silver escape. It's like, it's like, it's a very interesting, it's a kind of a Casablanca ending because it's like, you, what you expect to happen is that like, uh, Humphrey Bogart and In- Ingrid Bergman are going to fly away together, mm-hmm. but you kind of, and have a romantic relationship, but instead they don't, and they go their separate ways at the end of the movie. So it's not like a happy ending. And it was like not a typical romance. And in Treasure Island, the hero helps the villain escape. And it's kind of like a complex situation emotionally. It's like it's like you don't know how to feel, but you but they but he kind of like smiles at them, like you know, like he, like Doctor Livesey says at the end of the movie, like I kind of hope that yeah. Long John Silver like. Is, is okay and I hope that he I almost hope that he has a good life when he escapes and I like that it's it, it, it was because I like it when it's not emotionally black and white so it was emotionally gray and those mm-hmm. are my favorite things yeah and it's especially for for an older Disney movie 
it, it's well I, again because it's because of the material it's based on but i mean yeah. for an older disney movie it's it's very interesting that it's a very morally gray ending <laughs> and morally yeah. gray character well you know how much disney changes books they could have changed that ending if they wanted to they but like they yeah. kept it yeah i hadn't really thought about that before that's a good point it's it does seem like something that disney would have wanted to change to give it yeah. more of a moral ending having the bad guy get what's coming to him but i like that they exactly. kept the, exactly. the real ending exactly they kept the bad he's like long john silver was kind of the bad guy but he escaped at the end it's like very it's very non-disney kind of ending yeah even even the the muppet treasure island changed the ending because long john silver did kind of get a get his comeuppance at the end of that one and that wasn't from the book either yeah. i don't remember the ending of that his his boat springs a leak and he ends up back on the island being tortured by the <laughs> the giant rock heads telling Gosh. jokes to him. Of course. Yeah, yeah. They like right. Muppet Treasure Island actually kind of gave a, a traditional villain come up and Yeah. <laughs> and if anyone wasn't to do that, you would think it would have been would have been the Muppets, so it's kinda interesting that they, they changed that. But it is a funny ending, so yeah. the, the humor is in line with the Muppets. Yeah, that's what they're going for mostly, yeah. I, I feel like that's the key, the humor. That's what, if it's not funny, they wouldn't have done it. Well, any last thoughts on Disney's Treasure Island? I guess uh, just all I want to say is for the first fully live-action Disney film, they, they did a pretty good job. I, they, yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty good first first attempt. I mean, for, uh, the fully live-action film. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's like, it was like the first time Walt Disney ever uh, made a movie without relying on animation, which was what he always did in the 40s. But like, it, you know, he, he wanted to do something live-action, I think because he wanted to like try something new because that was what he was always doing he didn't like repeating himself and i think walt disney really loved trying new things and so that was mm-hmm. that was like i think the initial reason why i did and he was also spending he actually walt disney actually spent time in england when they were filming this and he wasn't and this in the 50s was around the time when he stopped focusing on animation as much as he did in the old days yeah. and so this was kind of like a turning point for him and then towards like focusing more on television, focusing more on Disneyland and stuff like that. And so this is kind of like the turning point for away from animation towards bigger things. Yeah. I really liked this movie. I think that it wasn't perfect, of course, but for his first live action film, I think he did a great job. And for something that like different versions of classic literature can end up being kind of dry sometimes, I think they did a really good job making this feel fun and basically an adventure like it's supposed to. So Sometimes I would get hints that Bobby Driscoll wasn't the greatest actor at times, but I think he did a really good job, and as a whole, I did really enjoy his portrayal of Jim. Definitely. Yeah. As you guys both know, Leo, I'm, I'm big into tri- trivia. Trivia is one of my favorite things, and one thing I like about... Uh, about Treasure Island in particular is a, a common, uh, a very, uh, a cool trivia question you could ask your friend is like, name an actor who portrayed Captain Flint in any adaptation of of um, Treasure Island. And the reason it's funny is because Captain Flint is a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
I noticed that. I was yes. like, wait a minute, is Captain Flint the parent? <laughs> so they'll they'll be they're thinking about human beings and you could tell them, Nope, it was like Polly or something probably. <laughs> yeah, oh you could you could totally stump someone with that question. Exactly. So all you listeners, there you go. <laughs> go make an enemy of your friend. <laughs> Well, I guess that'll be all for this episode. Do you guys want to let people know where they can find you, Eli? Yeah, you can hear me talk about, like, Disney movies and all kinds of other stuff if you go to Twitter, which uh, my handle is at ejunkie2014. And if you go there, then I'll send you links to my blog where I go in-depth into the history of entertainment and stuff like that. It's really fun. I suggest it. And Mark? And yeah, I got two blogs um, that you can check out. I have the Animation Commendation, which is a blog dedicated to animation where I uh, do some movie reviews, animation movie reviews, some top 13 lists. And most my, my the biggest thing I do on that channel is I have a game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Animation Edition, where I have uh, 10 animation lovers playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, except the questions are all animation related. And we're currently going through season seven right now. So you can take a look at that. And my second blog is my live action Disney project, which is where I come in with this podcast, <laughs> where my, my point is to watch and, and review every theatrically released live action Disney movie ever made. And, um, you know, I've had that for like seven years now and I'm still going through. So you can feel free to join me there and follow you in my journey. Thanks. Okay. I'll have those linked below and I'm sure you'll be back in the future because we already have plans for more. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Disney Movie Marathon on iHeartMovies. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you prefer, and of course, make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access, and we'll see you soon for another brand new episode of the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.